For a show like Batman, I need killer actors, ideally actors with stage credits, because it's that energy that's needed. I had never done an animated voice before. I had never auditioned for an animated voice before. I was a stage actor. I went to Juilliard. I worked on Broadway, I worked off-Broadway, I worked for Joe Papp at The Public. I was a New York actor. For the single character of Batman itself, I know I listened to well over 500 voices, well over. So many actors. We didn't fall in love with anybody. And when you're casting something as awesome as Batman for a series called Batman, you want to fall in love with him. You really want to fall in love with him. I had done commercial voiceovers in New York, so I had a voiceover agent. And he said, they're putting together a new show over at Warner Brothers. Uh, I know you haven't done any animation, but why don't you go over and give it a shot? It's Batman. And I said, no. I said, Batman's been around forever. It was on when I was a kid. I didn't go with any preconceptions. I didn't go with any preconceived notions or anticipation of who I was going to meet. I didn't know who Bruce Tim was. I didn't know who Andrea Romano was. I was just an actor going into an audition. So we bring him in on the callbacks, and he walks through the door, and he asked a couple of very intelligent questions. And then we let him audition for the voice of Batman. And it was truly the eureka moment that you wish for. Bruce and I looked at each other and just, you could see the stress of months of auditions just fall from our faces because we had found Batman. It was remarkable. to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin, and today we have a very special episode for you. We're here to pay tribute to the voice of Batman, Kevin Conroy, who the world sadly lost on November 10th, 2022. But we're not alone. For a subject this important and dear to our fan hearts, we've activated our Justice League signal devices, and we'll be hearing from fellow Fire and Water Network All-Stars and friends of the network will share their thoughts on Mr. Conroy as well. But first, before we get into all that, we should probably start off with a biography of Mr. Conroy. Kevin Conroy was born in Westbury, New York on November 30th, 1955. His family moved to Westport, Connecticut when he was 11 years old. The youngest of four children, Conroy had many family problems to deal with growing up, including a schizophrenic brother, who he later cared for, and an alcoholic father. This alcoholism led to his parents' divorce and a suicide attempt by his father. In addition to all of this, Conroy had to conceal his own homosexuality to his Catholic family and friends for fear of being shunned completely. He found solace in acting and was awarded a full scholarship to Juilliard. There he roomed with Robin Williams and attended classes with future stars Kelsey Grammer and Christopher Reeve. Heard of that guy before. A little bit. He studied under acclaimed actor and teacher John Houseman and joined his group, The Acting Company, after graduating from Juilliard in 1978. This led to a national tour of Ira Levine's Death Trap, and later a regular role on the soap opera Another World. In pursuit of more television work, Conroy moved to California and joined San Diego's Old Globe Theater. There he starred in many Shakespeare and contemporary productions. Despite keeping his homosexuality a secret, Conroy was cast as gay characters several times, including a gay TV producer during the AIDS epidemic in Eastern Standard and a gay lawyer on Dynasty. 
Conroy saw many of his friends and fellow entertainment industry vets succumb to the disease. He was a regular on the series Tour of Duty from 1987 to 1988, but was often denied roles he was in the running for when word of his sexual orientation would leak out. At the behest of his agent, Conroy answered the audition call for Batman the Animated Series as production began in 1990. According to some reports, Conroy initially planned on auditioning for the supporting role of Detective Harvey Bullock. But casting and voice director Andrea Romano suggested that Conroy instead read for the lead role of Batman and Bruce Wayne, a part the creative team had been unable to cast. Romano and showrunners Bruce Timm and Eric Radomski told Conroy about their vision of Batman, a character Conroy only vaguely remembered from watching the 60s TV series starring Adam West when he was a boy. When Conroy heard about the internal conflict between the private and public persona of Bruce Wayne and his true self as Batman, he found a character he could relate to. Conroy read his lines, creating a voice that was full of all the pent-up pain and frustration he had dealt with as a closeted gay man for the past 30 years. The Warner Brothers animation team had found their Batman, and Conroy had found his most famous role, playing the Dark Knight for 30 years across multiple spinoffs of Batman the Animated Series, and what affectionately became known as either the Timverse, or more widely known as the DC Animated Universe, or DCAU for short. These projects included the animated series The Adventures of Batman and Robin, The New Batman Adventures, The New Batman Superman Adventures, Batman Beyond, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. He also voiced this version of the character on shows like Static Shock and The Zeta Project, as well as the theatrical film Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the best Batman movie ever made, don't argue with me, and direct-to-home media sequels Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero, Batman Mystery of the Batwoman, Batman and Harley Quinn, and Justice League vs. The Fatal Five. Conroy also lent his voice to other productions outside the DCAU canon, including the Justice League action animated series and many films in Warner Brothers' successful DC Universe original animated movies, such as Batman Gotham Knight, Batman Superman Public Enemies, and Batman The Killing Joke. He reprised the role for the popular Arkham series of video games from Rocksteady Studios beginning with Batman Arkham Asylum in 2009. He even managed to play a multiversal version of Bruce Wayne in live action during the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event on the DC-based CW television series back in 2019. His final work as Batman will be heard in the upcoming game Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League and the forthcoming Batman the Cape Crusader animated series once more under the guidance of producer Bruce Timm. In 2016, Conroy revealed in an interview that he was gay and began to share his experiences dealing with homophobia and how that affected his life and acting career. In June of 2022, he wrote the comic story Finding Batman with Art and Colors by Jay Bone for DC Pride 2022 number 1, telling his own origin story and how the trajectory of his life led to the role of a lifetime. Conroy was married to Vaughn C. Williams at the time of his death, succumbing to colorectal cancer on November 10, 2022. If anybody hasn't read Finding Batman from DC Pride uh, 2022 number one, I highly recommend that. It is a wonderfully written and illustrated story, and I really feel it made me understand and appreciate Conroy's Batman work even more than I had before. I'm so glad he had the opportunity to do this before his passing. Yes. yes. Yeah, you just read that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I just did read it like 20 minutes ago, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. going into this. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's really, really well done. Now, there is a little warning before that. There are there's some strong language, derogatory terms in that story. But I think it's important that they leave them in there. Yes. Uh, and, you because know, that, that was his life. That's what he dealt with. So uh, but uh, so now we're going to go to the fun part. 
uh, sharing some of our 10 favorite moments from Conroy's 30 years of Batman performances. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list. If we made the list next week, we'd probably add a few different ones in and take a few out. Needless to say, Conroy never gave less than 100% any time he stepped up to the mic to voice Batman. But these examples were either important to the character, showing some nuance we didn't usually get to hear, or was an example of Conroy stretching and really showing how great he was at his craft. Your moments may vary, and we'd love for you to share them in the comments section of this episode at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we'll hear about a few more moments in our final segment as well. Our friends' thoughts on Kevin Conroy will be peppered throughout, including a few comments our Patreon supporters left, which we will read. So, in chronological order, our first one is from Batman the Animated Series, which is of course fitting, and the episode Perchance to Dream. Once again, the mysterious figure known as Batman has come Batman. to the of local law enforcement. Always Batman! Stop it, son. Calm down. He's behind all this. I know it. And I'm going to find out why. You're not well, son. In this episode, Bruce Wayne awakens to find his parents alive, he's engaged to Selina Kyle, and someone else is Batman. Now this is a tour de force for Conroy. He not only voices Batman and Bruce Wayne, but also Thomas Wayne and the fake Batman. And according to everything I've ever read about this episode, he apparently recorded it with no breaks switching from each character in real time. I mean, think about how difficult that would be, you know, and where you're coming from each one. Like, okay, let me pull this person up. Let me pull this person up. Right, right. And he's like, it's not his usual Bruce Wayne. It's a very distressed Bruce Wayne. It's, you know, it's he's he's like normal Batman at the beginning and the end. And, you know, and of course, Batman's very emotional after the end of this. Uh, The confrontation in the tower with the fake Batman and then Roddy McDowell's Mad Hatter are some of the best moments of the series. And Conroy's read of that final line is just haunting. Something for the lab boys to play with. Any idea what it is? Yes. The stuff that dreams are made of. You know, oh, this is, oh, man. And I I can't, I've got to point this out because in the wonderful Batman animated book that Paul Dini and Chip Kidd did years ago, I mean, the show wasn't even really off then. That's when they were, I think it was, like came out in like ninety nine. It was like right when they were ramping up to do Batman Beyond. Okay. This book came out. And uh they have some lines in there like that's like that that the uh, broadcast standards and practices, you gotta take this out. You gotta take this dialogue out. You can't have them do this. And when Bruce, you know, tells Mad Hatter, you know, Mad, Mad Hatter's like, You can't do this. What if it doesn't work? He says, Then I'll see you in your nightmares. Originally he said, then I'll see you in hell, but they didn't, they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him, they wouldn't let him do that. But can you imagine if they, I mean, as great as it was, can you imagine if they let him say that? Right. That would be everybody's like a go-to. So (laughs) we got a comment from our patron, Ian Fletcher. All right. Um, Ian writes in, I could never pick my favorite moment as my favorite moment is every time he spoke. Agreed. I'm totally on board with that. But a few deliveries stick out to me. In Batman the Animated Series, Perchance Dream, the end of the episode has Batman reply to Gordon's question about Mad Hatter's dream machine, what dreams are made of. It wasn't melodrama. It was genuine melancholy, and Conroy excellently acts out Batman trying to hide that melancholy, but being unable to conceal it fully. Brilliant. 
Justice League's maid of honor. We've had some solid hints that Diana and Batman are an item before, but their flirting on the dance floor in the first episode of the two-parter is excellent. Batman, hiding behind his identity as Bruce Wayne, can flirt with Diana because it's in character for him to do so. I always felt that Bruce and Lois's romance in Superman the Animated Series was too quick, but here you can feel the affection between the two of them. And credit here goes to Conroy and Eisenberg. But I think where I'd put down Conroy's most solid performance is Batman Beyond. Old Wayne sounds bitter, arrogant, and strong. He is the chipped and worn statue of Batman, rain-soaked and somewhat overgrown with ivy, scowling over Gotham City. He acts as mentor to Terry, but you can also detect his jealousy at times. Just an exceptional performance by Conroy, taking the Batman of the previous series and nuancing it. Uh, very well said. Yeah, I have to, I, I co-sign all that. <laughs> <laughs> what Ian said right there, yeah. Um, yeah, that Batman Beyond, I mean, I've, I've, when I was doing this, I haven't watched enough Batman Beyond in a long time. Uh, and actually, we're going to cover Batman Beyond on the next episode, a couple episodes of Batman Beyond. And, and in doing this, I went back and watched parts of episodes and whole episodes. And I, yeah, you can tell Conroy really enjoyed playing yeah. old, old Bruce Wayne and really dug in because at that point, you know, he he could just he was, you know, it's kind of that thing of like like supporting actors have more fun, yeah, uh, character actors, you know. Now that he wasn't the lead, he could he could really dig in and he could he could make Bruce Wayne didn't have to be the hero yeah. anymore. He could be a little. You know, the jealousy and the just the general grumpiness and bitterness could just could just come through uh, more. And he was fantastic at it. And we'll hear more about that version of Batman as we go along. Uh, So our next episode on our list is from another one from Batman, the animated series. Beware the Grey Ghost. Batman teams up with his reluctant childhood hero, actor Simon Trent, a.k.a. the Grey Ghost. Gothamites have turned out in record numbers to celebrate the video release of the long-lost Grey Ghost television series. And on hand for the festivities is the toast of the town, the Grey Ghost himself, Simon Trent. Please make it out to Bruce. There you go, Bruce. Thanks, Mr. Trent. You know, as a kid, I used to watch it with my father. The Grey Ghost was my hero. Really? And he still is. Uh, This is one of the best episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And certainly one of the most poignant. Casting Adam West as a down-and-out superhero actor, Simon Trent. That was a casting coup, but the real treat... It's how wonderful the two Batman actors work together. Uh-huh. I mean, it's really, you can just, you know, it's just a really, it just feels like they both were having a really good time, that the warmth between the two comes across. They appreciate each other. Right, exactly. And Conroy's final delivery is full of that warmth and admiration for both Bruce Wayne's hero, and you can hear Conroy's admiration for his childhood Batman. Yeah. And he recognized the fact that, okay, this guy was Batman to me, was Batman to a generation of people. And it's just, and now that we've lost both of them, this one really gets to me yeah. watching it again. Uh, but it's it's just a wonderful episode. And the Grey Ghost is such a great character addition to the Batman mythos. And it makes Batman a toy collector. Yeah. He, he collects the Grey Ghost toys. Yes. He's got a shrine in the Batcave. So how can you not relate? Of course, on the flip side of that, there's the dark side of the collector in that episode 
who looks like Bruce Tim and is voiced by Bruce Tim, uh-huh. the Mad Bomber himself. Uh-huh. And that's just a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful bit there. And I mean, Bruce Tim's a toy collector too, so it's it's just this wonderful. It's just it's a very meta episode uh-huh. of Batman animated series before meta was even really a thing. So yeah, that's a good one. Hi, this is Rob Kelly, one of the co-founders of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, here to talk a little bit about the late, great Kevin Conroy. Uh, my introduction to Mr. Conroy actually wasn't Batman the Animated Series. It was on the 1987 CBS Vietnam series Tour of Duty, a show that I've talked about on other shows over the years about how much I, I really liked that series and thought it was very underrated, and it kind of got buried by the network on Saturday nights. And we uh, went up against Cosby on the Cosby show and family ties during that, the, those juggernaut years. And so nobody watched it. And then they moved it to Saturdays and it just kind of died a slow lingering death. But Kevin Conroy uh, was the captain on that show. And he wasn't, he was not, despite his kind of movie star looks and that amazing voice and the fact that he was the captain, which is you know the highest ranked character of the, in the platoon, he was not the main character. He was, he kind of would be in the periphery and go on some of the missions and kind of give orders to the main character. So he was not the main character, but I always really liked him on that show and um, not to spoil it, but he has a memorable uh, death episode where they kill him off and uh, it's really heartbreaking and it's a particularly great episode. And I remember watching the show when it aired and, you know, I did not expect them to do that. I mean, obviously it's, it's uh, people in a war and people die in a war. So it's, it's not an unexpected turn of events, but still you generally don't kill off your regulars that seemingly uh, <laughs> willy nilly on TV shows. And so when uh, they killed off Kevin Conroy's character, it had a real impact on me because again I thought he was terrific on the show and I I genuinely missed him once he was gone. So then when he ended up being the voice of Batman uh just a couple of years later on the animated series I was like, "Oh, that's the guy from Tour of Duty. I love that guy. That's great. I thought that was perfect." And I, you know, was able to think about his voice that I heard on Tour of Duty and I thought, "Well, that's interesting." And then it took me, I don't know, maybe a minute, a minute and a half into the first episode of Batman, the animated series to hear him talk. And I'm like, yeah, they found him. That's the guy, the guy from tour of duty. That's Batman. And, you know, over the years, um, I've always kind of thought Kevin Conroy, you know, yeah, is the single best Batman ever. And then I would say, well, that that's not totally fair because he doesn't have to do, you know, he didn't have to have the visual component the way the other actors did, you know, Michael Keaton or Val Kilmer, George Clooney, they had to bring a physicality that Kevin Conroy did not. So Kevin Conroy had a slightly easier job. So I've always been kind of loath to say he is the single best outside of the comics medium Batman ever. But now with even more time has passed and I've kind of gone back on that where I realized, well, yeah, he's actually worked with one hand tied behind his back. He didn't have a visual component to work with. I mean, yes, there's the actual animated form, but that is relatively limited in terms no matter how good Bruce Tim and, and Paul Dini and that crew was, and that crew was top of the line. You know, they, they're still trying to crank out, um, you know, weekly animation on a budget. And so they're limited by some of the things they could do just by having to get the shows done. So Kevin Conroy had to deliver everything about Batman and of course, Bruce Wayne in just his voice. He had to put it all across. He didn't have a visual to lean on him. I'm sure he, I would love to see video of him recording that must exist and stuff, but I've never actually seen it. But 
to me, he is the best Batman that has ever been done outside of the world of comics because he has that grit. He had that toughness to him, but he had a warmth and a seemingly sense of humor that I think a lot of the other Batmans have not had. And it's something that I really miss in the kind of live action versions. And uh, so to me, uh, he is the Batman. And obviously everyone feels that way at this point by the fact that he got used. He was tapped to play Batman across various projects, Justice League and then other the movies and things like that. And he did get to do a live action version on one of the CW shows. I mean, he lived long enough. He, he didn't well, he didn't live long enough, but he lived long enough to see how beloved he was as Batman to multiple generations of people. And that's a great thing. So um, it's a great loss. Uh, to to pass away so early and while he was still seemingly so vital and so engaged in being Batman and, and just being part of the part of that legend. But uh even if you know we never hear another piece of Kevin Conroy Batman, like they have no more there's no more recordings out there. Somehow Warner Brothers has nothing left in the vault. Everything that they put out is that's all that exists. It no more is needed. He is the definitive Batman and in that sense, he will live on forever. And that's a great legacy. So uh, it's a great loss. And I appreciate uh, Chris and Cindy putting the show together to give everybody a chance to talk about how much they love uh, the late, great Kevin Conroy. Okay, our next one up is Batman the Animated Series, I Am the Night. Batman threatens to quit when he fails to save Jim Gordon from a near-fatal injury. When all is said and done, how much good have I accomplished? They sell t-shirts of me. I've become a cliché. More good for the tourist trade than the streets. This city would fall apart without you. Maybe. Maybe not. When you look too long into the abyss, the abyss looks back through you. Maybe it's time for Batman to return to the night that spawned him. Before anyone else gets hurt. This episode was written by Michael Reeves is rarely mentioned in the top episodes of Batman the Animated Series, which is puzzling. One of the better adult episodes with no supervillains, Conroy is given a wonderful monologue as Batman struggles with failing his mentor, friend, and surrogate father figure. The pain, guilt, and regret is palpable in every word. Yeah, it's also a great showcase with the relationship that he and Lauren Lester have as Batman and Dick Grayson because, you know, Dick comes down to to try to talk to Bruce when he's so despondent over Gordon, Gordon being in the hospital near death. And there's this, you know, wonderful back and forth with Dick trying to tell him, look, it's not your fault. You're one, you're only one man. You do way more than one man is ever expected to do, but he just can't hear that, you know. But it's, it's, a, great, it's a great showcase for Lauren Lester, too. And, uh, of course, you know, we'll get into our experience with Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester later. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but it's, uh, um, it, it's this one really, again, it's, 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 it's amazing that this one doesn't, uh, does, doesn't come up in the, the top episodes very often. And I think it's because it doesn't have any of the supervillains in it, but it's a, it's a really, it's a really good, uh, first season episode where they, they would have those gangster stories, those yeah. crime noir uh, episodes that didn't have to have a, a colorful costume villain in it. Okay, one that is often on top of everyone's list yeah. is the new Batman Adventures adaptation of Mad Love. Batman gets the last laugh on the Joker in this one. She almost had me, you know. Arms and legs chained, dizzy from the blood rushing to my head. 
I had no way out other than convincing her to call you. I knew your massive ego would never allow anyone else the honor of killing me. Though I have to admit she came a lot closer than you ever did. Puddin'. Uh, this is a case where the story was published in the award-winning comic from Paul Dini and Bruce Tim first. So we, when we read that comic, we heard the voices of Conroy, Mark Hamill, and Arlene Sorkin speak that dialogue in her heads a few years before they actually recorded it. Of course, you know, as many people have said, once those actors took those roles, you heard them in your head, no matter what yep. kind of comic you were reading. Yep. But when you read a Batman animated comic, of course you did. But luckily, their performances lived up to the hype, becoming some of the best of the series, and Conroy's delivery of his final barb to the Joker is spot on. And just, yeah, I mean... Wow, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> well, you'll hear it, you heard it here, so you know. What's up, Chris and Cindy, and Happy New Year to all of the wonderful listeners of JLU Cast, Supermates, and the Fire & Water Podcast Network. This is Ryan Daly, the host of Cheerscast, and once in the long, long ago, Chris's co-host on Batman Nightcast. I am honored to be asked to share my thoughts on the legacy of the great Kevin Conroy and his portrayal of Batman. I am also saddened that it comes as the result of Conroy's passing. There has been a lot said about the man and his contribution to the Bat mythos. There will be a lot more said on this episode. I never met Kevin Conroy. I can't say that his death struck me the same way it struck a lot of other fans, even though I do consider him the best version of Batman in any media, including the comics from which he originated. The reason I think the Batman of Batman the Animated Series and the subsequent cartoons that followed in that continuity, the reason that I think that version of Batman transcends all the others is because of Kevin Conroy and the magical thing he was able to do with his voice. Conroy found the Batman voice in a way that no other performer really has. I'm not entirely sure it's even possible outside of voice work in animation and gaming. Think about the Batman voice, what other actors sounded like when they wore the mask. Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson. Their Batman voices all sounded kind of like stage whispers. George Clooney, Adam West, they barely modulated their voices at all when they put on the costume. And Christian Bale... Okay, credit for trying to disguise his voice when dressed up as the Dark Knight detective, but his snarling growl has become the object of so much mockery, there's an entire web series devoted to it on Funny or Die. But what Kevin Conroy did was find a voice that sounded so distinct from his regular Bruce Wayne voice that it sounded like a second character, and yet you could believe that it came from the same actor. That's an amazing feat. Like I said, I'm not sure it could be done as well in live action, but Conroy mastered it. He made the voice, I should say, the voices his own, and in so doing, he took ownership of the Batman role in a way that he never surrendered during his lifetime. All of that is known, of course, to everybody listening to this podcast, everybody who has watched Batman in other media. So this is the part that's supposed to be unique to me. What did Conroy's portrayal mean to me? You take everything I said about two distinct voices. One, the affable, vaguely disinterested playboy Bruce Wayne. And one, the brooding, contemplative, terrorizing Cape Crusader. 
two different tones, two registers. Batman was at its best in terms of the writing and in terms of the vocal performance. It's absolute best when Kevin found the midway between both extremes. Because that was frequently when the story called for Batman to be sympathetic in the scene, often sympathetic to his enemies. Kevin didn't just bring a distinction to the characters, he brought humanity to Batman, this kind of measured calm born out of a long-ago tragedy that he's never been able to bury. You hear this voice when he's talking to or about a villain that he feels sympathetic towards. At the end of the Two-Face two-parter, when the story has been resolved, Commissioner Gordon asks if he thinks there's any hope left for Harvey Dent. And the voice that responds doesn't sound exactly like Batman or Bruce Wayne. It's somewhere in between because it's coming from both Batman and Bruce Wayne. Because Harvey was a friend. The voice says, where there's love, there's hope. But a little luck couldn't hurt either. And he flips the coin into the fountain. There's another episode, Harley's Holiday, where Harley Quinn is paroled but then through a series of miscommunications, false allegations, bad assumptions, and all-around terrible luck, she ends up a fugitive, again being chased by Batman, the cops, a gangster, and a crazed military general in a tank. Needless to say, she ends up back in Arkham Asylum. But she asks Batman why he went out of his way to look out for her during the whole situation. And Batman, clearly Batman, says... I know what it's like to try and rebuild a life. And then that in-between voice pops in and adds, I had a bad day too once. There are countless examples similar to these when Batman shows his heart through his vocal inflection that people like Catwoman and Mr. Freeze might operate on the other side of the law, but that doesn't make them monsters beyond redemption. I think there was a trend in Batman stories to make him such a hardliner, so strict and inflexible that he became unbearable. I don't think Kevin Conroy's portrayal of Batman entirely escaped that trend either. He delved into it later on during the Justice League cartoon and other spin-offs. But those early years of the animated series, he nailed it. The idea that Batman, despite using fear as a weapon, ultimately believed that criminals he faced were worthy of second chances. It all culminates in perhaps his most heartbreaking line reading at the end of the film Batman Mask of the Phantasm, when he's grieving in the Batcave and he tells Alfred, I couldn't save her. Such a beautiful voice that even though we can hear it again and again and again for the rest of time, that voice will never be replicated. Now, I know I have a certain reputation to maintain, so I will close this segment with my absolute favoritist line from Batman the Animated Series. And yes, it's a little bit silly. The best sentence Kevin Conroy ever uttered. In Pretty Poison, Batman squares off against Poison Ivy for the first time. Batman is poisoned and dying. Ivy has the antidote. Her greenhouse is on fire. She stands over Batman, ready to kill him, when the Caped Crusader holds out a rare plant specimen, this endangered weed that she's been trying to save for the whole episode. Batman is ready to throw the last plant into the fire if she tries to kill him. But instead, he negotiates the safe exchange of the weed for the antidote to the poison killing him. 
and the words he utters are simply the bottle for the weed what's it gonna be i cannot tell you how many times i have repeated that same question in my everyday life people it's truly the most quotable line from batman much more so than that i am vengeance crap Anyway, thank you very much, Chris and Cindy, for letting me share these thoughts. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into this show. And of course, thank you, Kevin Conroy, wherever you are right now, for countless hours of entertainment and for representing not just the greatest Batman, but despite the 2D animation, the most human Batman to ever appear on screen. Okay, our next episode up is Batman Beyond Rebirth Part 2 where Bruce welcomes Terry into the fold. Terrence, sorry to get you up so early. It's okay. You never told me you knew Bruce Wayne. Well, actually, uh... Why I owe this boy my life. He defended me against a bunch of hooligans once. I tried to reward him, but he absolutely refused. Mr. Wayne wants to offer you a job. A job? It's not much, mind you. I find that in my old age, I could use a part-time assistant. You know, a gopher. Go for this, go for that. An ally, as it were. Would you be interested? Well, of course he would. Wouldn't you, honey? I mean, to work with someone as famous as Mr. Wayne. Sure. I warn you, I can be a difficult taskmaster. I accept nothing short of excellence from all who work for me. I think I can handle it. Very good then, Mr. McGinnis. Welcome to my world. Bruce is playing nice and acting like he's just offering Terry a gopher job in front of the boy's mother, but he's offering the role of Batman under his guidance. Conroy's delivery almost turns sinister toward the end as the two shake on the deal, revealing a Bruce Wayne who knows full well he's given his life over to his mission and is about to ask the same of this boy, like his other partners before him. Yeah, I mean that welcome to my world. It's just kind of like, whoa, you know. Yeah. It's just uh, Yeah, you know, one thing I noticed and I pointed this out watching this scene, you have Bruce come to Terry's apartment, his parent his mom's apartment, and he's 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 having like tea with the mom. Terry walks in and He's like, oh, I'm here to offer you a job. This millionaire, famous millionaire, comes uh-huh. to offer him a job. And they both know that they're talking about something else. But the mom doesn't know. The mother figure doesn't know. You might remember that scene from Captain America's Civil War between <laughs> Tony Stark, Peter Parker, and Aunt May. Right. <laughs> it's almost the exact same scene. And I never thought about that before. So... I don't know how much the guys, the Marvel guys, paid attention to the DC animated universe stuff, but mm, it's a pretty, it might be a coincidence, but it's a pretty, pretty big one. So, uh, so our next one's also from Batman Beyond, the episode Out of the Past. On his birthday, Bruce suffers through a stage play, mocking his career as Batman, then broods about his lost loves until Talia shows up with an offer. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am. Batman, 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 there is a song the good folks sing, song the good folks sing, Batman, about a hero on the wing, hero on the wing, Batman, I am
I'm Gotham's darkest night, the villain's darkest fright. Turn on the signal light for Batman. Batman. Now this is years before JL used this little piggy, and Kevin Conroy gets to sing as Batman. Yes. I mean, we made a big deal out of that when we covered this little piggy, but this episode. He actually predates it. Predates it. Although he's not Bruce Wayne Batman singing. He's an actor playing Batman in the musical Terry Takes Bruce to for his birthday. A superstitious cowardly law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good work, Cape Crusader. Once again, you've saved our fair city from those vile miscreants. They were no problem, Commissioner. For as we all know, criminals are... A superstitious cowardly lot. They plan and plot, but they always get caught. Their evil schemes all come to naught. A superstitious cowardly lot. Come on, it took me weeks to get tickets for this show. It's Shway. It's Schwarbage. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, I get pissed too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, they beat the you know, the MCU to the Avengers play, I can do this all day, you know, in the, Ooh, in the Hawkeye yeah. show, you know. Yeah, know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but not only did we get to see, you know, in the, it, you know, Kevin Conroy singing as this actor playing Batman and he's really great. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's a very good singer, but we get very grumpy Bruce Wayne. He's uh-huh. just, you know, I love the fact that Terry's like, it's Shway, it's Schwarbage. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, <laughs> then later in this episode, you know, we, we get, we get Bruce Wayne at his absolute lowest since the pilot, you know, yeah. of Batman Beyond. And then we get him rejuvenated after he gets dipped in the Lazarus pit. So, I mean, this is a, this is another one of those, those standout episodes where, you know, Kevin Conroy had to be going, yes, when he read the script, like, yeah. I get to do so much in this one. So, yeah. And now, fellow FW All-Star, Siskoid. Welcome to a segment we'll call Batman Line by Line, in which I will look at Kevin Conroy's very first line reading in Batman the Animated Series, and here it is. You see that? What? I had a blip. It just ghosted across my screen. Okay, this isn't Batman, I realize. It's the blimp pilot at the top of On Leather Wings, that first episode. But hey, just goes to show that he could pitch his voice different ways. Here's his first line as Batman. Gotham police declare war on Batman. Ah, there's the characteristic richness. Here, Batman is reading a headline about himself, or really about Man-Bat, but the media got it wrong. What can we say about this line? Well, first of all, it's interesting that uh, Kevin Conroy gets to do both Batman and Bruce Wayne at the same time. He's in the costume, but he's talking to Alfred. The two alter egos don't have the exact same voice. Either he's pitching it lower as Batman, or he's pitching it higher as Bruce Wayne. So Conroy makes a choice here. Batman is the real voice. And so Bruce Wayne is therefore the alter ego. Of course, you could also say that when he wears the mask, it's just 
automatic for him. And you could believe it of Batman's extremely disciplined mind. He would never slip in front of the wrong people because the mask triggers the voice. Maybe. Either way, it's a choice and I think the perfect one. In this particular line reading, listen to the way he modulates words. Gotham police declare war on Batman. He puts a question on that last word, slowing it down and giving it a twist after reading the rest almost too fast. The words are right there on the screen, so Conroy chooses not to waste time on reading it out, but then gives some extension to the shocker. A question and also some attitude. He's definitely unhappy. That's there's a there's a velour in the delivery that's akin to, yes, Adam West's. More serious, but just a touch camp here. And that's also brilliant. It creates a continuity between various Batman performances over the years. There's a reason Chris Franklin can do all the Batman voices reasonably well. That's because there is a Batman voice, a certain register that tends to repeat across all or most of them. Conroy understands that and goes for an echo of Batman's most iconic voice to that point before becoming the iconic Batman voice thereafter and other actors then imitating him. And it's all there in that one-line reading. In terms of content, there's a statement too. This isn't the Adam West Batman after all, because Gotham has declared war on him. From the preceding scene, he's friends with Commissioner Gordon, but the rest of the system, as represented by Harvey's Bullock and Dent, not so much. This is a darker vision than any animated show has done before, but not so dark that you don't recognize Batman anymore. There's still a lightness in the voice, a humor. Alfred gets the next line and Batman smiles at it. So, all that to say, it doesn't take a lot of Kevin Conroy to realize what his qualities are. I've said it before, and there's every chance I'm repeating what someone in another segment has already said or will say, but when I read Batman comics, I hear two voices. If it's Silver Age or older, I hear Adam West. If it's Bronze Age or later, I hear Kevin Conroy. He's so iconic in the role. Projects that had nothing to do with Bruce Timm's animated DC Universe, other animation projects, video games, etc. have used him as Batman. He sticks in your mind so strongly that several industries have acknowledged that he is, now and forever, Batman. episode we have justice league's a better world part two batman and justice lord batman debate the price of freedom versus safety think about it a world where there's no crime no victims no pain and no choice ah! who elected you anyway who elected you the problem with democracy is it doesn't keep you very safe it has other virtues, but you seem to have forgotten them. I didn't forget. I just chose peace and security instead. You grabbed power, and with that power, we've made a world where no eight-year-old boy will ever lose his parents because of some punk with a gun. sequence Batman, trapped on the world of the fastest Justice Lords, battles his doppelganger in the Batcave. The two debate on the merits of freedom versus complete eradication of crime, but Lord Batman seemingly wins with a crushing rebuttal. 
But later, our Batman manages to philosophically flip the table on his devil. Yeah, we we covered this one, of course, uh, when we covered that episode. And we had Michael Bailey on to cover it with us. But it, it, you know, it is such a great, it's such a great sequence. And, I mean, you know, he's literally, Kevin Conroy is arguing with himself. Yeah. In the Batcave. And they, like, they'll show, they'll show the Batman that's not talking. And, like, the other one will be yelling at him as they're, like, basically fighting amongst the shadows in the Batcave. And the different levels. and, and, And it's just great. And, you know, but then, you know. The the Justice Lord Batman gets him, you know, you know, like we created a world where no kid has to worry about some punk with a gun, you know. Yeah. And and it's just I mean, oh, and he our Batman drops his batarang, but you know, when they witness, you know, somebody being arrested over arguing over a, a their bill at a restaurant. What are you doing? The small laws, remember? I'm not paying for this. Bad food, lousy service, and then you up the check wrong. Sir, you're disturbing the other customers. Look, five and five make 15. Could you come with us, please? Get your hands off me. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'll pay it, whatever it is. And the food, it was good, really. They'd love it here, don't you think? Who? Mom and Dad. They'd be so proud of you. Just drive. Oh, man. And, of course, he turns the Justice Lord Batman into helping them. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just, it's it's another another great... Kind of like Kirk and Spock. In yeah, Mira. it is. It is, but instead of it, it's it's like the two Spocks fighting it out. Right, right. But yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just exactly. saying that's what it made me think. of. Oh yeah, that's we mentioned that at the time, but it, it definitely does. But it's it's just uh, it, it's so well done, and it, it's another it's another instance where I mean, again, a lesser actor, you'd be even confused, even though you're watching. Them, well, who's saying what? Uh-huh. And it's just it's 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 just super 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 well done. Another another example of Conroy's deft acting prowess here. Our next episode, we've jumped to Justice League Unlimited and the episode Kid Stuff, which, as you guys know, if you watch or listen to our show, is a favorite of ours in this house. And if you haven't, if you don't know that, if you haven't listened to our show, then why the heck not? Yeah, I mean, but, come on, we're brilliant. <laughs> Go back and listen to the other show. Uh, <laughs> uh, after a fun adventure, Batman brings the mood down, uh, definitely. Circumstances aside, it was kind of enjoyable to be a kid again. I haven't been a kid since I was eight years old. After defeating Mordred and returning all the adults to Earth, Wonder Woman comments that it was fun to be a kid again, and Batman says, I haven't been a kid since I was eight years old. Uh, The bitterness inherent in Conroy's voice says all you need to know about how deeply scarred Bruce is. There's even a tinge of regret there. Yeah. As he sees the, the kids reunited with their parents. I mean, it's... You know, I mean, how could he not, you know? I know, but it, it's like, you know, and it's just like everybody's like, oh, that was kind of fun, you know, and, and, and Batman just, you know, he's yeah. he's the killjoy. But it, 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 we kind of joked about that at the time, but at the same time, it is, it, it's, it's a very Batman thing to do. It just shows you how damaged, you know, he is. He keeps it, he keeps the lid on it pretty well, but something like this is just, Scratches that raw nerve. Yeah, you know? I'm a rich kid with issues. Yeah, exactly. If, <laughs> we should have mentioned that. 
I mean, the this little piggy will come up again, but the this, the discussion between Batman and Wonder Woman about their dating. Yes. We talked about that a lot in that episode, but that's another great moment. Yeah, you're, that, you're an isolated princess, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a rich kid with issues. Yeah, lots so. of issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I blue? Am I blue? Ain't these tears in my eyes telling you? Hi, Chris and Cindy. This is Steve Givens. So whenever I think of Kevin Conroy, I think of how his Batman is my Batman. I remember the first time I heard him perform as Batman. Uh, it was in the Batman the Animated Series episode on Leather Wings. I think that's probably where most of us first heard his Batman. Uh, it was the one that aired on a Sunday in primetime. When I heard his Batman voice, though, I instantly recognized it as the voice of the Batman I've been hearing in my head whenever I read a comic book. It was like my imagination had been brought to life on the small screen suddenly, and it was completely mind-blowing for me. It also gave me a sense of uh, validation and uh, connection that I had never felt before as a comic book reader, because I realized that other people must have had the same understanding of Batman as I did, and that felt pretty good. So that's the the primary reason why Kevin Conroy's Batman is my Batman. Probably, though, my favorite Conroy as Batman moment, oddly enough, it was in the JLU episode, uh, This Little Piggy, uh, when Batman has to sing to save Wonder Woman. <laughs> I mentioned this moment not because it's a great Batman moment. Uh, if I just was going to go with Batman moments, it would, you know, I would look for something in the animated series, something else, you know, uh, a little bit more uh, action oriented or uh, a little bit more dramatic. Uh, but I went with this one because it shows what a great actor Conroy was. Um, as a trained stage performer, he had a pretty good singing voice. But what he does in that scene is amazing because he modulates his singing in that scene to reflect Batman's, not only do Batman's voice, but to uh, reflect Batman's discomfort and reluctant vulnerability. It's really just fantastic acting. If you go back to that episode, I swear you can hear those qualities in his vocals. It's just a great piece of voice acting. Outside of his voice acting roles, uh, there are two moments that really encapsulate uh, who Kevin Conroy was for me and why he meant so much, I think, to fans. First is his uh, 9-11 story about helping out at a restaurant near Ground Zero to feed all the first responders working salvage and rescue uh, the week after the strike. I won't go into the whole story here uh, because it's easy enough to find on YouTube and you should really uh, go find it on YouTube if you've not seen it and hear Kevin Conroy tell it because he tells it amazingly. Uh, and it is an extremely touching uh, story and it shows Conroy uh, connecting with fans in a deeply profound way. It's, it's an amazing story. I'm sure uh, most of us have probably 
heard it and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. The second uh, moment I'm thinking of was uh, during his interview on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast. Uh, he tells the story of how he was doing uh, poorly in school and uh, was suddenly inspired by a Shakespeare scene he read in an English class. I think he said it was like homework. He had to go home and read this scene or something. Uh, in class the next day, though, his enthusiasm caught his teacher's attention and she got him involved with theater and then challenged him to take higher level classes. Uh, he credits this teacher with literally saving his life as his home environment was extremely toxic and abusive. You know, and, and as a teacher myself, uh, that has a special resonance with me and that it helps me, it helps remind me to always look for the potential in my students. So, uh, you know, that moment uh, really sticks with me when he talked about it on the podcast. Am I blue? You'd be too If each plan that you had done fell through Okay, so our next one is Justice League Unlimited Epilogue. Batman comforts Ace. Batman? Ace. Did you like playing with my new royal flush gang? Can't say that I did. Yeah, they aren't any fun at all. I gave them their powers and they still hardly ever play with me. Can't imagine why. When I was little, Cadmus used to make me play all kinds of games, but they weren't any fun either. They'd strap me into their machines and poke wires into my brain. Ace, can you move this object with your mind? Yeah, I can move it. They weren't really games, you know. They were training me, turning me into a weapon for justice, they said. They got their weapon. I got cheated out of my childhood. I know what that's like. You do, don't you? You don't have to answer. I read your mind. That's how I knew you weren't going to use Mrs. Waller's weapon on me. No, I wasn't. You were going to try and talk me into fixing what I've changed. Before I die. Yes. I'm dying very soon. Yes. I'm sorry. Could you stay with me? I'm scared. And this is one of my favorite ones, and it always makes me cry. Yeah. It does. Conroy utters very few words in this scene, but every one of them is heavy with Batman's resignation for the task that he is forced to take on. He cannot bring himself to kill Ace as Amanda Waller wants, but it instead relates to her lost childhood and stays with her as she succumbs to the very powers that made her such a tantalizing weapon for Project Cadmus. This is just, um, it's a gut punch uh, of, a, of a scene. It really, it really is. But it's, you know, I mean, it, it, and this is, this, when we see this scene, this is Amanda Waller telling Terry McGinnis in the future, even beyond the regular Batman Beyond future, a few yes. years into that, past that, that, you know, he's wrong about Bruce Wayne, that he's not this cold, heartless, you know, just, uh, you know, taskmaster. He is a compassionate human being, and this is one reason why, you know. 
Uh, and so it's it's a wonderful, you know, that episode, which they thought at the time might be the end right. of Justice League Unlimited and the end of the DCAU. So they made a, 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 a nice love letter to... To the Batman, character of Batman. To yeah. the character of Batman and Kevin Conroy's Batman. Yes, specifically. Uh, and um, and Conroy's great as the even older and even grumpier Bruce Wayne. You know, in that episode too, and he's like, he's like, "Where you been? I made you some soup." You know, just yeah. like, you know, just like he's like yelling at him. He's like, "I cooked you supper. Why didn't you come in?" You know, basically. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but that little part of it just made me think of you and your daddy. Yeah. And I was just like, I can so see your dad just doing that to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's another I mean it's another case where, you know, he gets to play, you know, regular Batman in that episode and old Bruce, old old Bruce Wayne. And now coming up soon we're gonna see on on our coverage uh, of of Justice League Unlimited when we get to the season finale, we'll see Batman, regular thirty year old Batman meet 80-year-old Bruce Wayne, and that, you know, that's going to be fun, because that, you know, again, that's Kevin Conroy getting to play two roles, so that'll be a lot of fun. We got another Patreon comment from Tim Price, who is also hosts a Batman podcast of his own. He's co-host of the Batman the Outsiders podcast, and Tim says, from Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, I know I made a promise, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Kevin was fantastic as both Batman and Bruce Wayne, and his delivery of that line is pitch perfect. Favorite line easily. The first episode of Batman the Animated Series I remember is the Man-Bat one, and just showing his consistency, if Kevin had to sell us viewers on Batman every time, and he hooked me. I think my favorite overall performances came from JLU, the Justice Lords two-parter, where he's two Batman with slightly different personalities and the concern for Flash, and the episode captured by the Injustice Gang taking them down from the inside and the night out with Flash and Orion, all shining examples. But I guess the most touching was the season finale with the dying ace of the Royal Flush Gang. Still brings a tear. Yeah, to, as Cindy pointed out, same to us, Tim. Uh, it, always, it always wells up. Get your chokes up. This is Dan Greenfield from 13th Dimension. You know, when we were talking offline about this, Chris joked that, um, or maybe it wasn't a joke, that I would say that uh, Kevin Conroy was no Olan Soule, and uh, he's right about that. Uh, Olan Soule is is the voice that I consider to be the perfect Batman, but the perfect Batman in a specific period of time, and that's the Silver Age. Uh, If you're talking about your classic Dark Knight type of Batman, your your you know creature of the night. You can't go wrong with Kevin Conroy. He is as good as it ever got, and uh, none of the uh, live action actors I think ever captured the voice and the tone of Batman like Conroy did. And and for me, the the best example actually wasn't on Batman the animated series or any any of the animated movies or the video games. It was actually Justice League Unlimited, and it was the episode the Doomsday Sanction. And in that episode, Superman and the League more or less act, spoiler alert, uh, like um, judge, jury, and pseudo-executioner by sending um, Doomsday to the Phantom Zone. Batman is injured um, and was not part of the decision-making, and he's pretty irate when he finds out what they did because he understands that Cadmus, 
uh, was is frightened of the Justice League for a reason, and it's reasons just like this. Uh, lack of due process, making unilateral decision-making, all while standing on a satellite that has a death ray pointed at the planet. And the line that, that, uh, that Conroy delivers is Superman's being pretty glib about the whole thing. He says, you know, it's not our nature to, to turn rogue like we did in the other world where the Justice Lords were. And Batman says, you know, what if Luther became president like he did in their world? What would you do? What would stop you from doing what that Superman did? And Superman says, there's always that kryptonite you carry around. And Batman's response is swift and angry. And he says, you don't get to joke. And it is a revealing moment between not only just Batman and Superman, but really sets Batman apart from the rest of the league. Because when it comes to the core members, he is the only human being who has no, nothing added to his arsenal other than, obviously, his wealth, his gadgets, his mind, and his body, uh, his well-toned body. But he's not a Superman, he's not a Wonder Woman, he's not a Flash, and he's acutely aware of that. And Conroy, you know, it's a big Batman moment and a big character-defining moment, but it's the way Conroy delivers the line that it just stops you in your tracks. You don't get to joke. Batman admonishing Superman about basically being too glib about the lives of others. And it's, it's a moment that has always resonated with me, not only just within Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, but in Kevin Conroy's entire run as Batman. I, I think that that one line and that scene say so much about the character and what Conroy brought to it. You'll do anything to avoid monitor duty. Sent him off to the Phantom Zone, didn't you? He left us no choice. Spoken like a true Justice Lord. What? Come on! Passing judgment like gods, with our superpowered army and our orbiting death ray? Cadmus is right to be scared. The human race wouldn't stand a chance. We'd never go there. It isn't in our nature, and nothing can change that. Nothing? What if Luthor does become president, like he did in their world? What would stop you from doing what that Superman did? There's always that kryptonite you carry around. You don't get to joke! Not today. I just took a bullet for you. I'm sorry, Bruce. You're right. But you don't have to worry about the Justice League. Trust me. You know me. Yeah. I do. Get some rest. For our final moment, um, this one's outside the DCAU canon, and I, I looked at some of the other ones, the, the films and stuff he did, and, I, I mean, he does a great job in those, but, I, you know, they were they were you know, one and done films mostly. There was some continuity between them, some of the films. But, you know, we, you know, the, Batman wasn't the central focus usually in those. It was usually a super, him and Superman or, or a Justice League movie. So, I, you know, there wasn't as, you know, moments to me that jumped out that, that trumped any of these. Your mileage, again, may vary and let us know because I've seen all those and I've enjoyed them all, although I didn't make an exception with this one. Uh, Batman Strange Days was one of the 75th anniversary shorts, and that was one produced by Bruce Timm, and it aired on Cartoon Network. In that one, the Golden Age Batman takes on Professor Hugo Strange and his Monster Man. This is a wonderful, noirish short film that gives us the closest thing we'll ever get to an actual Fleischer Batman cartoon, although it is in shades of black and white instead of color. 
Tim's work is breathtaking and leaves you wanting a whole series like this. And I guess Batman the Cape Crusader is going to at least take some visual cues from this. The design of Batman looks to be similar, but that's just based on the one image we've seen of it, if we ever get to see that show, which, ugh, HBO Max, but anyway. Uh, but while our son Andrew and I first watched this when it debuted on Cartoon Network in 2014, we just kept waiting to hear Batman speak. Was it going to be him? Finally, in the last seconds, Batman spoke two words, and boom, Kevin Conroy. And I think me and Andrew jumped off the couch. You did. Yeah. <laughs> and then the film was perfect. Any other voice would have been a disappointment. And that right there tells you how important Kevin Conroy is to Batman. Yes, to the mythos. Except no substitute. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Stay back, Batman, or she dies. You, you don't scare me. Stay back. Is it over? For now. And that's nothing against the other fine voice actors who have voiced Batman before and after Kevin Conroy. But the man was in a league of his own. You know, no pun intended. Speaking of which, we heard from our friend and former guest, writer and producer of the DC Animated Universe series, Rich Fogel, who of course worked with Kevin Conroy and had this to say about the man. I have fond memories of working with Kevin. He was always professional, polite, and powerful. All the things you would want Batman to be. As a writer, it was amazing hearing my words coming out of his mouth, and he always made the words sound way better than they did in my head. What a privilege. Although he had a great sense of humor and brightened up every recording session, Kevin was also a very private and somewhat enigmatic person. Again, all you would want from your Batman. I feel his loss deeply, but I also know that the light and joy he brought to this world will continue to shine as brightly as the bat signal cutting through the darkness. And Rich closed out his comment with, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Conroy. Thank you, Rich. That was wonderful. Uh, Thank you for sharing that with us and allowing us to share it with our listeners, which I did ask Rich if I could. And he he said, sure, you know, so that was wonderful. You know, for my thoughts on Kevin Conroy, I'm going to read an appreciation I wrote for him shortly after learning of his death. Uh, I was asked to write this by our friend Dan Greenfield, who published it on his 13thDimension.com website. You heard Dan's thoughts on Kevin in this episode earlier, of course. I thought about picking and choosing parts of this article and putting them into this episode, but I feel like I would just be paraphrasing myself, so I might as well just read it. And Cindy thought it was a good idea, too. Well, it's some of the best work you've ever done. Well, thanks. No pressure. No. Like Batman now, I'm speechless. 
This was the first thing I could think of to post on social media after hearing the news that Kevin Conroy had passed away. Despite the fact I was in the middle of a very crucial project with a looming deadline at my day job, I stopped in my tracks. It was as if someone had told me a close friend had left us. And honestly, I've spent more hours with Kevin Conroy's Batman than with many of my friends. And not just the times I actually heard Conroy speak as the character on numerous TV series, movies, video games, and even a few toys. Like many of us, I've had his Batman in my head for 30 years, replacing nearly every voice that I had conceived for the character before. Whenever I read a comic with Batman in it, there was Conroy's voice, emerging from the Batcave of my mind. In that way, he inhabited the character more than any actor, and he put more hours in as a character than any other actor as well. But it wasn't just the time Conroy put in that makes him, for many, the definitive voice of Batman. It was how he inhabited the role through his voice. Michael Keaton had given us a whispery, raspy Batman voice to differentiate him from his natural voice as Bruce Wayne. Conroy's Batman was more akin to his actual speaking voice, just an octave or so deeper. His initial take on Bruce Wayne was light, flippant, and airy. Not a care in the world. Of course, it was an act. Conroy's Batman was the real persona, and Conroy's Batman's voice was his real voice. He just went to a deeper, darker place when performing the character. That's not to say Conroy's take was always morose and somber. His Batman could sling a wicked barb at Mark Hamill's Joker, frustrating the crime clown by coming up with a funnier line than him. Or he could throw back a sarcastic retort to Ephraim Zimless Jr.'s sardonic Alfred. He could even get a bit sultry during playful interactions with Adrian Barbeau's sexy Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. As powerful as his vocal performance could be, just see his iconic declarative I Am Batman speech from Batman the Animated Series episode Nothing to Fear, he could show true vulnerability just by revealing the slightest catch in his voice. The moment in the film Batman the Mask of the Phantasm when a young, happy, and in love Bruce Wayne admits to his parents' grave just doesn't hurt so bad anymore is one that always comes to mind. Conroy's Batman also evolved over the course of the Bruce Timm-led DC Animated Universe series. When Batman the Animated Series was relaunched as the new Batman Adventures, Batman was much less talkative and reserved, despite now surrounding himself with a surrogate family at all times. His Bruce Wayne was also closer to his Batman, as if a balance had been reached, and Batman was somewhat more content at just being more himself, foregoing much of the act. If there was any question on which persona was the true one for Conroy's Batman, one only has to recall his wonderful delivery in the Batman Beyond episode, Shriek. Eighty-year-old Bruce Wayne tells young Batman Terry McGinnis, played by Will Friedle, that he knew he wasn't insane when he heard voices in his head calling him Bruce. Why were you so sure those voices weren't coming from you? Well, first, I know I'm not psychotic. I hope your other reason's more convincing. And second, the voice kept calling me Bruce. In my mind, that's not what I call myself. What do you call yourself? Oh, yeah. I suppose you would. But that's my name now. Hmm. Tell that to my subconscious. Conroy often got the best lines in the ensemble Justice League series and its follow-up Justice League Unlimited, telling Superman with a wry smile in the series finale, Don't you have a tall building to go leap? Of course, JLU's This Little Piggy showed us Batman and Conroy had a power no one expected. They could sing! My family and I were fortunate enough to meet Conroy at a comic convention in Louisville, Kentucky in 2018. He was set up right next to his BTAS co-star Lauren Lester, Robin, Dick Grayson, Nightwing. I brought original Kenner Batman the Animated Series action figures of Batman and Robin for them each to sign, but in our enthusiasm in talking with Conroy, he signed the Robin as well. 
When he noticed this, he responded in a voice not unlike his Batman. That's not me. That's Robin. We were delighted at his exasperation and the fact that he referred to himself as Batman, just like Bruce Wayne would. Even better was Lauren Lester's ribbing response, just like smart Alec Dick Grayson would have thrown at his mentor. We managed to snap a picture of the dynamic duo mid-hug. It was wonderful. It was. <laughs> Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman, not only because his gravelly tones perfectly fit the character, not only because he was able to bring nuance and feeling to a character who was often written to be withdrawn and barely emotional. It's because of all these things. His Batman, or Batman if you consider the versions he played in DC animated films, Arkham video games and the like, were multifaceted, often deeply conflicted individuals. In other words, they felt real. With a lesser actor behind them, the emotional impact wouldn't have hit like it did. There was a truth to Conroy's Batman that was inherent in every word he spoke as a character. In recent years, he revealed that he connected to the character by relating to his own troubled upbringing and his need to hide his homosexuality from the public to ensure his professional success. The results are obvious. Conroy's Batman was tortured child, victim, surrogate son, avenger, protector, millionaire playboy, father figure, mentor, teammate, cape crusader, and dark knight. He was all those things, and none of them ever seemed wrong or in conflict with the character. He brought a humanity to the part no other actor has been able to do. Partially this was because Conroy had more opportunities, but the majority was just talent and an understanding of the character. He put the man in Batman. His Dark Knight was a living, breathing character, a hero, a friend. He was vengeance. He was the knight. He was Batman. And he's gone. Batman has lost his voice and maybe even his soul. Although if we ever get to see Batman the Cape Crusader animated series produced by Bruce Timm, Matt Reeves, and J.J. Abrams, originally meant to stream on HBO Max, we'll hear him again. But then eventually, there will be silence. But in Solace, I can't help but think of one of the greatest episodes of Batman the Animated Series, Robin's Reckoning Part 1, and Conroy's wonderfully warm and caring delivery when a young Dick Grayson, who has just lost his parents, asks Bruce Wayne if the hurt ever goes away. I wish I could say yes, but it will get better in time. Thanks to everyone who contributed to this episode. Rob Kelly, Ryan Daly, Sis Goyd, Dan Greenfield, Stephen Givens, Tim Price, Ian Fletcher, and of course, Rich Fogel. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For information on how you can support the Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Extra special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horse Club Podcast, and David Capoon, who specifically support JLUcast. And of course, our thanks to the late, great Kevin Conroy for the years of entertainment and for giving voice to our hero. We will continue to celebrate Kevin and his amazing body of work on each and every episode of JLUcast. Next time, we'll cover the Batman Beyond episode, The Calls, Part 1 and 2, so we'll get a chance to discuss Conroy's wonderful take on the aged and grizzled Bruce Wayne of the future. See you then. Bye. Bye. The trick over this long arc has been to not let it get stale. And I learned this early on. Batman is not the disguise. Batman is who he went to, is what, be, what he became because of the tragedy of his childhood. It's where he found safety. It's where he is most comfortable, in that cave. And the suit of armor he puts on, the role he plays for the world, is Bruce Wayne. 
That's the performance. And so once I found that about the character, it really made sense to me. It kept the Batman voice from sounding artificial, and it kept Bruce Wayne from, it made him such a different persona. Bruce. No, not now. You are a disgrace. No, no, you are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. 